So um, we're we're setting a record with how long this series is going, I think. But uh, it's it's been a goodie, and so I'm so excited just to keep it going uh, tonight. And um, last week I spoke uh, in Second Corinthians uh, five and six, and I'm actually going to continue off there today um, with the title, like you saw, "Come Out from Among Them." Uh, come out from among them and kind of in line with what I was just talking about I'm going to make one of the most obvious statements of 2023 and that is that we do not live in a holy world I think we'd all agree with that so I know it's Thanksgiving weekend I don't know if your dinner is going to look like this (laughs) mine might I'm not sure we'll see how it goes and um, you know a lot, of, a lot of things going on around the world, and usually this happens when you get into, you know, politics and something like that, you know, but I was just reminded that, um, you know, with a lot going on with politics, I just encourage you guys just to forget about politics because there's no politician that's going to save this world, and it's only King Jesus and his empowered church um, and his people. We, The church uh, is the only hope for this world, and so... Just to remind us all as we gather this weekend with that. But, um, you know, and and obviously uh, I think we'd agree that we're not um, inherently holy. None of us are, right? None of us are inherently holy. And a matter of fact, uh, it wasn't too long after the creation of man. It was really close after that that there was rebellion, there was murder, there was all sorts of stuff. And it was a result of, of people who turned their backs, turned their hearts away from the one who had given them life and went their own way, you know, from walking with God to walking on their own. And since uh, that time, in those ancient days, God has been calling us back to him. He's been calling us back to him. And like we talked about last week, as ambassadors and, and Jesus's message to the world is come out from the world Give your heart to God. Come back to me. Be reconciled. Be reconciled. So, um, you know, as we just talked about the God of all comfort, you know, and the things that we're going through, so often we find comforts in, in our life that, that don't really comfort us. They might seem appealing or uh, appeasing for a time, but they're, they're what the Bible says, they're cracked cisterns. You know, they, they don't do it. And so it's when we get those things out of the way, and turn to God for all our comfort that we truly find it. And so um, if you have your Bibles today, we are going to go to uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. And I'll give you a minute to get there. Um, yeah, it's right after the Gospels. And you're going to see Acts and Romans and then 1 Corinthians. And we are in 2 Corinthians tonight. And uh, I love getting into the Word. It's my favorite part of doing this. And um, I hope that when they look up Bible Thumper in the dictionary, they see my face. And that would be uh, just a blessing. What a legacy that would be. But um, so 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 16 here and, and read through a little bit. It says, In what union... 
Can there be, excuse me, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray. Forgive me. I'll pray quick. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you for tonight, God. I thank you for each person here. And as we open your word, God, would you speak to us, God? Holy Spirit, would you come and uh, dwell in us richly and um, have your way in our heart as we read your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 16, and what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch any, excuse me, don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Because we fear God. Verse 16 is, um, so that portion of scripture from, from chapter 6, excuse me, verse 16 to 18 is um, a really powerful thing. And it's actually gathered um, scriptures from the entire Bible, from the Old Testament right up to the New. And it's a message that God has for a people that have turned his back on him. Um, or a people that doesn't know him. And um, he's, he's saying, I will live in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And we see um, these kind of words in the Bible all the way from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And this is part of God's heart for people is that he would turn from them, excuse me, is that they would turn from their wicked ways and come to God, that he would be their God, he would walk with them and, and dwell with them. And I love this, it, it says, you know, he will live in them. He will live in them. Somebody said Christianity is the only, quote, religion in the world where the God comes down and lives in the person. And that's our, the Holy Spirit living in us. And God wants to live with us. He wants to dwell in us. He wants to work in us and work through us. And he wants us to know him. He wants us to know him. The, the thought in that, I, that the whole idea in this is that we would be a people who know the living God. And throughout the ages, um, this has been God's desire for his people. We see it in Genesis. We see God walking through the garden. We know that he would have walked and talked with Adam and Eve at the beginning in the garden. We see it with Enoch, who had close fellowship with God. Enoch lived to 365, and then one day he disappeared because God took him up. So there you go. Live with God in fellowship for 365, and he'll take you up. Does that sound pretty good? Right? That's a good reminder. That's so random. He lived to 365, but I'll take it. And we saw Moses. Moses saw God and sat and ate with him. And on and on it goes. So many others. But what, what's happened is that we're, we're born into this sin. We turn away from God. We lose the relationship. But God in his goodness and grace is always calling us back. He's always making a way for us to come back and to walk with him. 
And I love this. Um, I'm a huge revelation uh, guy. I don't know. It just has really impacted me and my life. And we're reading through Revelation with the young adults. And it's been awesome. We just did chapter one on Thursday. And there was a couple fellas there who had never been in church before. And we read through Revelation one. So you're going to want to pray for those guys. Um, But it was just an awesome, awesome time. So I'm going to read... Revelation 21, chapter 3, and uh, just a beautiful, beautiful part of Scripture. Feel free to join me, or it'll be up on the screen here. And Revelation 21, verse 3, it's the the second last chapter in in the whole Bible. And uh, this is what it says. It says, um, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home now is among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That sounds pretty good. And that's one of the things that our hope is, is in are these precious promises that the Lord has in his word for us. This is what we have to look forward to coming. There's going to be a time where there's no more death, no more saying goodbye to loved ones, no more pain, no more suffer- suffering, no more crying, no more, no more sorrow gone forever. And it's interesting to me how we're, we're, we're almost going to go full circle in a way to get back to where God has designed us to be, living in close fellowship with him, living in close fellowship with him. And what happens is we can experience him in our life here and now. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to experiencing it. Um, he, he can dwell with us. And, um, you know, we can experience a taste of no more death an experience of no more corruption from this world that's, that's, that's bringing us down, no more sorrow or pain. You know, because when you know the Lord and you go through those things, he takes the sting out of it. Though there's a little bit of pain, we have the hope in the Holy Spirit as a guarantee in us that on that day, standing in heaven forever, he will do away with it all. We can experience him here and now. And in Revelation, it refers to the church as a bride, as a bride. It's always been an interesting concept, like why a bride? And the idea behind that is that the church of Jesus Christ would be like a young woman who keeps herself uncorrupted, who keeps herself pure until the day that she's united with her husband's with her husband. And that is how the Lord expects his church to live, to live. And so um, he's not coming back for a denomination. He's not coming back for a club. He's coming back for a people who love him, who have kept themselves not corrupted, who have kept themselves pure and and seeking him and, and watching for him. You know, this kind of stuff, it scratches the surface of why human beings were created, why we were created, and that's for close relationship with God. You know, being a dad, I love my kids so much. I love them so much. You know, you got a bad when a when when a with a when you're a parent when you know you you battle with the kids all day and you finally get them to bed and then you sit there and you say, "Well, I kind of miss them." 
you know? Like, what is that? That is messed up stuff, but I guess that's just love. It's a crazy love. And you know what? As a dad, my hope would be that I would always have a close relationship with my kids. You know, it says, you know, we're, we're, we're to relate to God as a father. And, you know, and, and my hope is, is that I would always be close with my kids. And, you know, we don't got to live together forever, but, you know, I, I hope that we would always be close, right? And I think that's part of the Lord's heart from it here. In James uh, chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. To let the world corrupt you. You know what? When I, when I read that, and I think I've said it before, you know, it's like, yeah, I can, uh, I can probably take care of some orphans and widows. Uh, check, check. And then you get to the end of that, and it says, refusing to let the world corrupt you. Man, that's the hard part, isn't it? That's the part where the rubber really hits the road, especially in the world that we're living in. That just brings me uh, to my second point tonight, um, you know, against the cultural tide. Um, this message is about holiness and, and holy living, and that definitely goes against the cultural tide. But I want to point out to us how impactful and how important it is to embrace that lifestyle as a Christian, as a Christ follower. And verse 17 of the, of the second Corinthians portion we read, it says, therefore come out from among unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. Come out and be separate. Come out and be separate. Um, you know, I um, was speaking to the junior youth this week, grades uh, six to eight. We have a great group here. Uh, there's like more than 30 of them. And every time I see Mark come in with them, I see one more gray hair popping up. And so I was filling in for him uh, this week. And I was talking about young Daniel in, the, in the, the book of Daniel. When he was young, he was determined to live a holy life. And um, I asked him, I said, can you make a list, you know, just out loud here, make a list of some things that you can think of that would make us less holy in this world. And I'll tell you, they did an awesome job of thinking of things that, would, that could make us less holy um, in this world. They even said newspaper. I didn't even know a kid knew what a newspaper was anymore, but they, they hit all the, all the stops. But I bet that this group could do even better. And wide is the way to destruction, isn't it? And there are many who find it. You know, we are not a perfect people, but God calls us to be a people determined to live holy lives. And I really believe that it's an incredible testimony when we live like that. How much of a difference would we make in the world just by being determined to live a holy life? You know, we've got a young man coming to young adults, and um, he's never been in a church before. I think his first time coming to church was uh, two weeks ago. And uh, the other night, I was just chatting with him, and he's a great kid, just out of high school, actually. And um, he was saying that the two people who brought him um, were so different than anybody else he's ever met. They were so kind to him. 
he could tell that they genuinely cared for him. And um, just the way he said that we even talked in the group was so different than anything else he's ever heard. And I thought, man, that's, that's it. That's who we're supposed to be, isn't it? Not just in a church, but wherever God places us in the world, that's how we're supposed to live. And Jesus said, we're supposed to be the salt and the light. You know, and, and to the people who don't know God, the people who have never been in a church before, just being a people determined and committed to want to live a holy life is an incredible testimony to the world. I love how he says, come out and be separate. Come out and be separate from them. You know, those are action words. And we're supposed to be people of action. The Christian life is a life of, of action. We believe, we decide, we put our faith in, we pray, we trust, we pick up our cross, we deny ourselves, we love our enemies, we humbly walk, and on and on and on it goes. He says, come out from them. He says, be separate. It's a deliberate act. It's a recognition of where we're at and who we want to be, and we go for it. We go for it. You know, I could... Um, after the service, give you a, a, a list of all my imperfections, and they would be long. They would be long. Um, years ago, when I was really started walking with the Lord, I decided I didn't want to swear anymore. And I'm not telling this story to make anybody feel bad or condemn anybody. I'm just going to give you the point of the story. And it, it was it was a battle to to you know I work construction and everything, and swearing's like a hobby for construction workers, and so. But you know what? When those words came out of my mouth, I said, Lord, I, I don't want those words coming out of my mouth. And, and, I, and I worked at it, and I, and I worked at it. And so by the time I got to Stelco, I just, I just didn't really swear anymore, you know? And um, in those years that I spent there with those guys, I said to them a lot of stuff about the Lord and, and this and about that. But the number one thing that stuck out to those guys the most is that they never heard me swear and I'm thinking, so what? Like, that's like, you know, whatever. Like, I'm talking about the end of the world here, right? <laughs> but that was the thing. They're like, no, no, no. And then, you know, that's just weird that you don't do that. Who works in a steel plant and not be swearing, you know? And it's funny. It, it, you know, it made me think. And, um, you know, one guy said, you must be one of them born again. And I said, yeah, yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> but... You know, again, I have a long list of imperfections, but it was interesting to see how something as simple as that made an impact in the world around me. Um, So he says, come out from them. So come out from what? Come out from living like the rest of the world. Come out from spending your time and your money and your affection on what the world does. Come out and, and from thinking like them, from acting like them, from, from, from thinking this is just the only life that we have. He says, come out from that. Be different. You have a calling on your life to walk humbly with the living God, the creator of heaven and earth. Daniel, awesome guy in the Bible, he was devoted to God. He was determined to take time to pray, to study each day. Um, He was determined to live a holy life. Ezra was another man. Um, He was determined to know and obey God's word. And it says for both of those men, God used them, and we know much about them. God used them to do amazing things. And, and these two men, they weren't seeking to do amazing things just because of their 
their motivation just because of their determination to know God and obey his word and to and do their best to live that holy life. God worked through them in amazing ways. And I believe that as we continue to pursue that, God will work in us and through us to do incredible things here. So if you're wonder, if you've been wondering about how to share your faith uh, at work and, and the things to say, I would say just start by doing everything you can be committed to living a holy life, you know, and of course we're not perfect and that's going to come with time of just walking with the Lord and being in his word and allowing him to have his way. But as always, actions speak louder than words, don't they? Being holy just, it reflects the heart of God and we're to do it on purpose intentionally to be determined. It won't be perfect, but we will see Um, glimpses of it in our own lives here and when we do the world will too they will too Um, third point tonight is um, holy and set apart holy and and set apart you know um, there's a verse in second timothy talking about um, the last days and um, it says that uh, you know the mockers and everything they will um, consider nothing sacred They will consider nothing sacred. Um, But the truth is there is still something, someone sacred who is very alive. And that's our Lord. And um, it's something we don't hear about a lot. But I love in chapter 7, verse 1, it says of uh, 2 Corinthians, it says, um, Because we have these promises, dear friends, Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. Let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. Because we fear God. And I wanted to throw a quick note in here um, just so we're clear on some things. And that is that we can never work or earn our salvation. I know many of us know that, but I want to make a note of it. Um, our salvation comes only by grace alone through faith. That's how we are saved. But we still have a life to live here, don't we? So how are we to live? A.W. Tozer, an old writer, he said this. He said, we are all in the process of becoming. We have already moved from what we were to what we are now. And we are now moving to what we shall be to what we shall be in. And it says that not only are we all becoming, we are becoming what we love. We're becoming what we love. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that lately. What am I becoming? What am I becoming? Am I becoming who God wants me to be? In all the areas of my life, who am I becoming? The word holiness, um, the Hebrew for it is Kadesh, and the Greek is, ooh, agio. The H is silent. Always gets me there. But both mean sacred, set apart. And I love sometimes learning about words where I like looking at the opposite. Because sometimes the opposite can help you really define what the word is that you're looking for. And the opposite of holy is unsanctified and cursed. Cursed. We know that there is a curse on this world that came in with sin. And God is everything that this world, he is everything that this world is not. 
He is holy. He is set apart. You know, there is no one or nothing like our God in this world. You know, um, the word that we say holy, it comes from an old German word, holy, meaning to bring health, to bring health. And the question is, are we spiritually healthy today? Are we spiritually healthy today? I don't know if you guys heard of this guy, Brian Johnson. He is a, um, um, a tech multimillionaire, and right now he's spending $2 million a year to become the healthiest man on the planet. He's currently 45 years old, and he said he has a slower um, aging process than anybody. He's trying to reverse his aging. He looks like he's not from around here, like I mean this planet. He looks really different, you know. But, but not only should we, you know, be worrying about what we're doing on the ins- outside, but what's going on on the inside of us as well. James uh, 4 8 says this it says come close to god and he will come close to you we all know that verse right draw near to god and he will draw near to you and after that it says wash your hands you sinners purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between god and the world let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and you will be lift and he will lift you up in honor. In honor. You know, often when we get into this stuff except when I do and I read this stuff, I'm not always pumped up for the day about where I feel like I'm at sometimes and some of the things that are going on inside of me. We see David in the Bible when he realized, you know, how far he had fallen and where he was at. He he prayed to God. He said, God, would you cleanse me? God, would you um, give me a, a pure heart and a new spirit? Oh, God. You know, and and sometimes when we when we find out where we're at in in terms of the Lord's standard for us, um, you know, that's how we feel. And that's okay. That is a good place to be sometimes is thinking, oh, Lord, I need you. Would you cleanse me? God, would you create in me a new heart? First Peter one thirteen, it says, um, talking about how we should how we should live. It says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. As First Peter 2 goes on to say, they stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. I love this. It says, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, and now you have received God's mercy. 
Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So important how we live. It's so important how we live, and we have a calling to live a certain way. I'm just going to finish with this, talking about the fear of God. Um, In verse 7, it says, you know, we should work towards complete holiness because we fear God. Fear of God. It says in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And it says, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. You know, um, again, we were reading uh, Revelation chapter 1 with the young adults, and um, it was so interesting to do that. We took turns reading aloud, and we went through it together. And after we read it, we just kind of sat around in a bit of a hush. And it, it's a lot to take in. If you haven't read it lately, I would uh, encourage you to do it before bed tonight. <laughs> but, um, you know... It wasn't like um, a big feel-good thing necessarily. It was just like a holy awe came into that room. And it was um, like a fear of the Lord. Like, wow, God is so much bigger and awesome than my puny self is. And God is just beyond my mind's comprehension. And I am just in awe of who he is. And that's why it says that the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because you can't, you can't even start to have wisdom in life if you don't recognize the Lord for who he truly is, or at least try to, you know? He is so big to wrap our heads around, and I think a big mistake that the world and many people make is they think they understand everything there is to know about God. They think that they could put him in this box And now, yeah, I know what that's all about, and I'm on to the next. That is a big mistake to think that. You know, when we read these words about God, it's just incredible um, as we are just so humbled to read his revelation to us about who he is. And this all holiness stuff and all that, it's, um, it's not an act, right? It's not a show, and uh, it, it will come from an encounter with a holy God. That's where, that's where it starts, and um, my prayer and um, my hope for all of you is that you would have an encounter with a holy God. You know, I think I said it last week, you know, I love being up here. I love um, being part of this church. My job is just to point you to him, not to give you little tidbits every week to him, but to say, go, go after him, go, go get him. He's, he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. And I'm always reminded in um, talking about this stuff with Isaiah. Isaiah saw a vision of God on his throne. And like in Revelation 1, he kind of seen who God really was. And um, he just said, woe is me, I am undone. He just said, I can't even begin to comprehend this. And he just fell like John fell in Revelation. I just fell as dead at his feet. Because God is so holy. He's so awesome. He's so beyond anything. He's deserving of all my worship, all of my trust, all of my devotion. 
and I can trust him with my life, with my life. So in conclusion tonight, um, there's a king that's coming. There's a kingdom that's coming. And living a holy life is one of the greatest testimonies we have to the world um, to show that. You know, there's an old quote that was said in a DC talk song, and it said, the greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who say one thing with their mouth and then walk out their door and do something totally different. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. You know, and for us, it's so important to be in God's word, to allow him to have his way in our life. If indeed we are living close to the end, which I believe we are, it's so important at this time to turn our hearts back to the Lord. No matter where you're at, no matter where you've been, no matter what you're going through, I would do it before bed tonight. I would do it here tonight. You know, last week I left off with with the verse that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Don't wait. Don't wait for something to happen. Don't wait until you clean up your life. Come back to God today. Today, we had a man give his heart to the Lord here last week. We have some people getting baptized in a lake on Monday. Pray for me. I don't have my wetsuit. That's going to be interesting. But you know something? We are living in crazy times. You know, just seeing today in the news that Israel has declared a state of war with Hamas. And I, I heard the, uh, the, the general for Hamas saying he's calling on all Islamic forces to join against Israel, to remove them from the land. Benjamin Netanyahu declaring a state of war. Let me tell you something. Jesus could come back in 100 years. He could come back tonight. It's that close. It's that close. We don't want to put any of this off. We want to be in right relationship with God. I would just encourage you all to take it seriously, to think about this. Um, I'm just going to end by saying that I'd be happy to, to pray with you, to talk to you, to go for coffee. Mark will be back soon, and he'll be wanting to catch up on lots of dates so you can chat with him. But I would say today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that it is a a lamp for our path and a light for our feet, God. Thank you that um, you don't leave us in the darkness, God, that um, we can see where we're at and we can see where we're going and we can see what's coming thanks to you, God. God, I just thank you for each one here, Lord, for all of the affliction and pain, God, that we have in our lives. Everything that we're going through, I thank you, God, that you are the God of all comfort. I thank you that you've called us, Lord, to be a holy priesthood, God, a nation of of your people, God, that we're in your family, God. Like the song said today and your word said today, that you will call us your sons and daughters, God that we are adopted into your family. Thank you, God, that you have a plan for us and a purpose for our lives here. How good it is to know you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, tonight we lift up all those on our minds here tonight, God, who just are heavy on our hearts, God, that need you, that we want to see come to you, God. 
We just lift up um, everyone in our hearts uh, also to you tonight, God, we pray. And I thank you for these uh, beautiful people. God, would you keep them safe and healthy? In Jesus' name, amen.